We have to learn from nature. Nature is our teacher. Nature is our true mentor. If you look at nature, in nature, everything is regenerating. Hi guys, and welcome to another episode of Sustain This with Viva Barefoot. My name is Dom McClark, and I'm head of the Live Barefoot Fund. This podcast is about cutting through all the bullshit and empowering people with courage and knowledge. And our goal is to make these conversations as super authentic and real as possible. So today we host Satish Kumar, who is a former monk, world-renowned long-term activist for peace and environment, who walked over 8,000 miles to deliver packets of peace tea to the nuclear power leaders of the world. Satish Kumar is also an editor at the Resurgence and Ecologist magazine, also of several books, including Soil, Soul, Society, and Elegant Simplicity that we touch upon today. Thank you so much for joining today. <laughs> My yeah. pleasure. I am a big fan of your work. We met for the first time about a year ago, and I have your book with me here. Good. I think we even met before the event with Synchronicity Earth and the indigenous people. Yes, yes. Lovely event. And I remember that event very nicely. Yeah, that was great. And uh, as a person with indigenous roots myself, every time there is a a celebration or there is an opportunity to speak about the, the First Nations or indigenous people, it's a big honor. Yes. In my view, indigenous wisdom is very relevant for our time because the indigenous people have lived on this earth for millions of years and uh, they have not only survived but looked after the planet earth and lived in harmony with nature, never destroying nature but always taking what is good from nature and also giving back something to nature. So if we want to learn about regenerative culture We have to go back to our roots and learn from indigenous people. Indigenous people in all continents, in Africa, in Australia, in Asia, in Europe, everywhere before the so-called industrial, urbanized civilization emerged, we were all indigenous. But the word indigenous comes from being people of land. If you are connected with the land, and you are taking care of the land, you are cultivating the land, looking after the land, and land means everything. Land means food, forests, rivers, everything comes from the land and is on the land. So indigenous people means people of the land. Now in the modern civilization, we are no longer people of the land. We are people of the city, people of the industry, people of the office people of business, but not land. Therefore, we are no longer indigenous. So we can become indigenous again if we go back to the land and cultivate the land, look after the land. And by living on the land, we can also do intellectual work. So people, indigenous cultures also had arts, crafts, music, philosophy, everything was there in indigenous cultures. So we can also do intellectual work, our poetry, our art, our music, our craftsmanship, everything we can do without losing the touch from the land. That is the indigenous culture. 
talking about land, is it uh, what you touch upon in your uh, book, Soil Soul Society? That's right, absolutely. I say in my book, Soil Soul Society, that we all come from the soil. The word for soil in Latin is humus. And humus means soil in Latin. So word human comes from humus. So human beings are literally soil beings. We are made of soil. Our body is soil transformed. Our food is soil transformed. Our clothes are soil transformed. The wood with which we build our houses are soil transformed. So being close to soil and taking care of the soil is our prime responsibility. If we take care of the soil, soil will take care of everything else. Soil will take care of food, of clothes, of houses, of our bodies, everything. But we have lost contact with the soil. So I say in my book, A Soil Soul Society, the first and foremost responsibility of every human being is to take care of this soil. Then from soil, we go to soul. And that's a kind of spiritual connection. Uh, soul is compassion, kindness, generosity, peace, love, consciousness, imagination, intellect, all these non-material goods and non-material dimensions of our existence is soul. And so we also need to take care of our soul and cultivate our soul. Then I say we are also members of human community. So we have to also take care of our society. There should be nobody poor, nobody should be homeless, nobody should be a, a refugee, nobody should be a victim of war, victim of conflict, and nobody should be discriminated in the name of gender or race or color or caste or, or nationality or religion. All these divisions should be transcended and we should all feel a sense of unity of humanity and unity of society. That is a kind of society. So soil, soul, society. This is the new trinity for our time that I have presented in my book. Very beautiful. As a bare footwear company that's calling for a reconnection to nature and for us being connected to the ground itself, it's more like beyond the, like a physical connection. It's like intrinsic connection, right? The feet are the only organ of the body that directly connect to the ground. More grounded we are, maybe more aware of the body and the nature around us. And as you said, living in the cities disconnects us from this natural world. Maybe that's why we're becoming cold and less spiritual and it's all interconnected. How did you, you started This it's not a career, but like the life path, so to speak, with a historical walk. How did you decide it's going to be walk for peace, but not like some a different type of, let's say, protest or expression? Of At that time, in yeah. 1962, the world was gripped by the fever of Cold War. The Soviet Union, on the one hand, And the Western countries, led by the United States of America, on the other hand, they were on the height of Cold War. There was a kind of big arms race, particularly the nuclear arms race. So everybody at that time who was concerned about goodness of humanity, goodness of people, well-being of people, were concerned about nuclear disarmament. And there was a very great philosopher, Bertrand Russell, in England who was leading in England the peace movement. 
and he was imprisoned because he was protesting against nuclear weapons. So when he was imprisoned, I was very inspired. I said, here's a man of 90 going to jail for peace in the world. What am I doing, young man, sitting in India, drinking coffee, doing nothing? And so that was the inspiration. So with a friend of mine and I, um, we decided that let's do something for peace. What can we do? We are ordinary young men. Nobody knows us. We are not Bertrand Russell. We are not famous. So if we, we just say something, nobody will listen to us. But if we walk on foot without any money in our pocket to Moscow and then walk to Paris and then walk to London and then walk to Washington, D.C., then people will take notice and the media will be interested Universities will be interested, church will be interested, government will be interested. So to make a dramatic story, we decided that we should walk for peace. Also, the peace is not only absence of war. Peace is not only lack of nuclear weapons. Peace is a way of life. Mm. Peace is uh, making peace with nature like soil, soul society, making peace with the earth, peace with rainforests and animals and peace within your heart, peace with your soul, in your soul and spirit, and peace with people. So Soil Soul Society was in a way implicit in my peace walk. And I was trying to make peace with the earth, peace with myself, and peace in the world and people. So that was the idea. And so I walked 8,000 miles from New Delhi to Pakistan, Afghanistan, Iran, Azerbaijan, Armenia, Georgia, Russia, Moscow. And then I walked to Belarusia, Poland, Germany, Belgium, France. I took a boat from Calais to Dover, then to London, Southampton, then a boat to New York, and New York to Washington, DC. Then I flew to Tokyo, and from Tokyo to Hiroshima, and then I took a boat back to India. So 8,000 miles for wow. two and a half years without any money in my pocket always depending on the hospitality of the strangers and living on the hospitality of people. And everywhere, I went to communist countries, capitalist countries, Muslim countries, Christian countries, all poor, rich, every kind of people. And everywhere, people were people. They were giving me their love and their hospitality and their support for peace. Yeah, so beautiful. You probably passed by my home place in Siberia. I come from Lake Baikal. Do you? Wow, <laughs> that is one of the great lakes of the world. Amazing. Yeah, I love this notion about the people that supported you along this journey. My latest favorite saying is be more human. Literally, this word combination inspires me to move on day to day and Seeing, obviously, with all the coronavirus and nowadays more people depressed than ever. Children are dependent on all the technologies and stuff. There is so much noise and sort of this kind of rubbish everywhere. I do believe that there is a, we, we need to reconnect back to our soul. So yes. practical terms, what would be three uh, simple steps for the next generation, young people to embrace spirituality so it doesn't sound like too, maybe not necessarily through some sort of specific religion or anything like that, but how do you find your own spiritual self? I would advise the first thing that every young person, but even if you are not young, mm. everybody, we all need to reconnect with nature. We all need to spend some time observing and experiencing nature. 
at the moment, people have so disconnected. People have become disconnected from nature. We live in apartments, then we go in the car or train or underground or bus. Then we are sitting in the office. Then we come home and sit in front of a television. We are disconnected from nature. So the first thing for good health of human beings, for health of mind and body, health of spirit and soul, health of everything, we need to reconnect with nature. That is one thing I would like to advise everybody. Every weekend, people should be out in nature. Every day, if possible, we should spend one hour walking on Hampshire Heath or Richmond Park or some natural place and be in nature, observing nature, experiencing nature. That is good for spiritual health, mental health, physical health. That's number one. Number two, we also need to connect with ourselves. And we are so busy that we don't have any time for ourselves. We are just working, working, working. Emails and, and Facebook and Twitters and, and office work and all the kind of work we do. There's no connection with our own soul, our own spirit. So every day, I would advise people to spend half an hour being in silence within yourself, with yourself. Half an hour of meditation half an hour of silence, where you are thinking and being who you are. What is the purpose of your life? What is the meaning of your life? What is the contribution you are making in this world, which is more other than money and work, but something else, something more deep, something more profound, something more compassionate, something more joyful, something more blissful, something more imaginative more poetic, more artistic, more spiritual. So rising above this mundane day-to-day money-making jobs and, and the Twitters and Facebook and emails, getting away from that for half an hour every day, people should spend some time. The third thing I would like to say is that our connection with other people is also very functional, commercial, and kind of professional. We need to connect with people at a different level. We need to connect with people on a level of compassion, service, kindness, helping each other, and a friendship. These levels need to be more strong than just commercial and professional and job relationship. So connecting with nature, connecting with yourself, and connecting with other people at a deeper level not just superficial commercial level, but a deeper level, more spiritual level, more level of friendship and love and compassion and kindness and helping each other. Mutuality is the key to our survival and reciprocity is the key to our survival. But mutuality and reciprocity has to be grounded in deep spirit and a deep feeling of empathy and sympathy and compassion and not just exchange of money and exchange of jobs and exchange of goods and services. So this, these are the three things. Yeah, very good. When you speak about com compassion and simplicity, it's so beautiful. Again, I'm just reflecting it through my own experience in my own eyes. This is the only way I can uh, really translate uh, 
the messaging that you're sending today. I, I come from a Buddhist community from Siberia, and my parents gave me a name that in translation from Sanskrit means eternal compassion. When I hear your speech now, like, oh my God, I really need to embrace it now, and maybe I should just... <laughs> Start calling myself, oh, what's your name? My name is Compassion. <laughs> Compassion, yeah, wonderful, wonderful, yeah. Yeah, so let's touch upon uh, on elegant simplicity. I, I have your book and it's uh, beautifully written. From a, this family company that we stand for minimalism, it's, we, we literally call our footwear as minimalist footwear and the main principle is less is more. Yes. So, uh, I love the opening of the book that speaks around the problem on um, excessive consumerism and all this overcomplicatedness of life. Would you like to summarize uh, for the listeners uh, what the book is about? Yes, um, I was thinking that in this context of climate change, global warming, social injustice, all these issues that we face today, what will be one solution, one big idea? Mm. I came up with this idea that if we start to live simply, then we can address the issues of climate change. Why there's a climate change in the world and why we, our environment is under uh, stress and, and almost under destruction? Because we are using nature as a resource for the economy. We are turning so much of our resources into goods and services that is being done without any real need, just for the sake of production and consumption, because this is how society is organized. Production and consumption are not necessarily related to the need of people. They are related to the need of production and consumption itself. And so I said, if we live simply, then we will need less goods and less natural resources. Because when we make many clothes and many shoes and many furniture and many houses and, and more roads and more railways and more airports and more seaports and more, more ships and more aeroplanes, everything comes from nature. We need oil, we need wood, we need coal, we need iron, we need natural solutions. So by living simply, you will put less stress and less burden on the natural resources. This is why the solution to environmental crisis and climate crisis is living simply. It is not just a technological solution. Technology has a place. Technology is a good thing to do, innovation and technology, renewable energy, and many other things we can do. But more than that, we have to restrain our consumption and shift our attention from quantity of possessions to quality of consumption. So from quantity to quality. Few things, but good things. So I have three principles for that. Whatever you have should be beautiful. Whatever you have should also be useful. And whatever you have should also be durable. Beautiful, useful, durable. These are the three principles. Beautiful, B, useful U, and durable D. This is my bud principle. So if we test everything on this bud principle, that everything should be beautiful, useful, and durable, then I think there's a plenty in nature. Nature is abundant. There's plenty in nature, plenty on this planet Earth for everybody's need, but not for anybody's greed. At the moment, our production and consumption is to meet the greed and not the need. 
So elegant simplicity is my solution to the environmental crisis. But also it is important for social justice. If few people have too much, others have too little. And therefore there's a lot of social injustice. So in order to address the problem of social injustice, I want people to live simply and, and not think that happiness comes by having many houses and many cars and many computers and many televisions and many, many goods and things and stuff. So living simply is also a key to social justice and social harmony and social equality. And then thirdly, if we work hard to earn money, then shop hard to buy things, then work hard to look after those things. All our time is spent on earning money, then spending money and looking after the stuff. We have no time for meditation, no time for poetry, no time for dance, no time for friendship, no time for friends and family. So our personal life also is deprived from a good living. And therefore for personal happiness, it's also important to live simply. So elegant simplicity is necessary for environmental sustainability and social justice and personal fulfilling and happiness. So this is the idea behind elegant simplicity. Wow, very beautiful. Thank you so much. I, I love the book. So uh, anyone listening, have a look at the book called Elegant Simplicity. It's uh, on Amazon and like, where is it being, where people can get it? Yes, they can get from Amazon, but I don't like Amazon so much. Yeah. I prefer small, if you can order through your local bookshop, that is better. Or I am involved with a magazine called Resurgence. Yeah, and Resurgence also has an online shop. So you can go to resurgence.org shop and order this book. Amazing. And also you can look at the Resurgence website and maybe you can also get the magazine if you like. Yeah, yeah. Please tell us about the Resurgence magazine and Resurgence Center and your life in Devon. Resurgence magazine was established 55 years ago in 1966. And this is the magazine which has been promoting this idea of soil, soul society. The idea of this trinity that we have to work on the environmental protection, conservation, and integrity. We have to have a cultivating spiritual values. And the spirituality is not religion. Spirituality is not nothing to do with church or the mosque or the temple or any religious institutions. Spirituality is all about compassion, kindness, generosity, peace, all these values. So resurgence promotes these values. And then resurgence also creates social harmony the ideas of soil, soul society and elegant simplicity are promoted every two months we have a magazine. So six times a year. Then we also have the ecologist website and that website also every day brings the news of the environment and how we can look after our natural habitat. Then we also organize events, festival of well-being every year, annual event And then every month we have a talks, resurgence talks, and, uh, and then resurgence center in North Devon, there we have courses. And so resurgence center has a garden and has a rooms where people can come together and, and have more in-depth seminars and courses on the weekend or long courses. So all this way, resurgence is a kind of ecological, social, 
and spiritual organization promoting deep and profound values in our society as a part of the greater environmental movement and influencing people's thinking about how we take responsibility to take care of our environment, take care of our planet Earth, and take care of humanity, and take care of ourselves. This is a kind of holistic vision the resurgence has. Yeah, so well aligned uh, what we're trying to do through our brand as well. I'm looking forward to partnering for next year. How else people could support? Is it a, a charitable organization? Do you collect donations and stuff? Yes, people can become members of Resurgence Trust, which are 30 pounds a year. If you become a member, then you will receive the magazine free of charge six times a year. And you will also get information about all our events all our activities and all our courses. So you can become a member or you can just attend one of our courses or our event like Festival of Wellbeing or Resurgence Talks or anything you can attend. And so just by visiting resurgence.org, you can get all the information. Yeah, amazing. So are you based in Devon? North Devon. We are based in North Devon. So how is... Um life in Britain has been and how did you choose to like settle in Britain? Resurgence used to be in London. Mm -hmm. We were published from London, but we thought that um, since we are promoting more ecological and environmental values, we need to live close to nature. London is not the right place. We have to walk our talk. Mm -hmm. We have to be the change that we want to see in the world. We have to practice our values. So we came here, and so we created a little garden and the land and, and working on the garden and being with nature. And so being and what we're doing are connected. So we came from London and we settled in North Devon. Totally. Walk the talk. We recently partnered with the Devon Environmental Foundation. It was launched earlier this year. It would be great if there is some project we can call partner on that side as well. Absolutely. Let us know and we'll be very happy to partner with you. Amazing. You've lived such a magnificent, amazing life, meeting thought leaders and change makers around the world and, and leading this activist lifestyle. I was um, wondering how can you balance advocacy and personal life? Because there's so many different stories, let's say, uh, Nelson Mandela, or a previous example you provided about people going to prison, etc. It seems if you really want to stand for a good cause, it comes at some sacrifice of your personal, maybe life with your family. And is it possible to balance it in some way that your personal happiness doesn't need to suffer also if you want to stand for good, if that makes sense? Yes, yes. And I don't think that there is any contradiction between being active in the world and in the society, and personally being happy. I have two children, and I'm very, very happy with my both children, and I see them very often, and my wife and I live together. We have a good family life, and we go walking together, and we cook together, we eat together, and we share our life together. This is why I always say personal life and social life should not be in contradiction. And the sacrifice we make, we make with love. And it is not a sacrifice anymore because whatever we do, we do with love. And, and Mahatma Gandhi went to prison for freedom of India, but he went to prison with love. Nelson Mandela was in prison for 27 years. It was not a hardship for him. 
even though it was physical hardship, but mentally he was doing it with love of humanity, love of equality, love of people, and bringing an end to injustice and an end to apartheid. So if you do things for love and for compassion, then you enjoy your work. And so I work for resurgence, I work for the environmental movement, I work for Schumacher College, I do all the things I do, I do it for love. Love is motivation. And whatever I achieve or not achieve is not so important. What is important is action. We all have to do our best. And if you do it with love, then you will not feel there's a sacrifice. So for Nelson Mandela, for Martin Luther King, for Mahatma Gandhi, and all the great examples we have today, even Jesus Christ going on the cross, is not a sacrifice because he said, love each other as I loved you. And love is the reason that I'm going on the crucifix. And so I would say that sacrifice is no longer sacrifice if you do it with love. And so I am acting for the love of humanity, for the love of planet Earth, for love of every human being and my family and my friends and myself. And therefore, all my, I'm 84 and I am an activist and I'm working day and night for the well-being of the planet Earth. And I'm not tired. I'm not exhausted. I'm not burnout. I'm enjoying it because I do it with love. Oh my God, so beautiful. I wish I could hug you right now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Good energy. It's so beautiful. I, I love it. As this 2020 year comes to an end and we're looking forward for how the next 2021 is going to look like, what's your wish for 2021 and how people can embrace 2021 coming? And then the second question is, we normally ask everyone who comes to the podcast, what's their regenerative vision of the future so it could be like in 10 years 20 years time what's your ideal vision of the world yeah so first 2021 i think 2021 is going to be a very important year particularly because the climate change is becoming a big issue of our time in uh, britain there'll be uh, cop 26 and that is going to be a highlight of 2021 and all the governments around the world UK, France, Germany, Italy, India, China, Russia, America, all the countries are putting extra budget, extra money, extra resources to green the economy. Therefore, we are moving away from this heavy carbon footprint to more decarbonized economy, green economy. And so the new green deal is becoming a big thing at this moment. And now Biden winning the US election, and he's appointing somebody who is a very, very strongly committed to climate change issues and mitigating the climate change and changing our economy. So for 2021, my wish is, and I think it is going to happen, that many, many people take responsibility and participate in changing our way of life our economy, our production, our consumption in such a way that we can live in harmony with planet Earth and we can shift. Because 2020 had been an awful year for coronavirus. And this coronavirus has come as a lesson, as a challenge, as a cry, uh, as a voice from the Earth. We cannot go back to business as usual. We cannot go back to normal economy and, and a pollution and waste and, and, and destruction of planet Earth. And so we have to learn the lesson of coronavirus 
and COVID-19 and change our economy, change our politics, change our way of life, change our business, change our industry so that our industry, our business, our economy is in harmony with the natural world and not destroying the planet Earth. So that is my wish for 2021. And I'm very hopeful that 2021, people are going to rise to the challenge and doing something different and, and learn from coronavirus crisis. The coronavirus crisis has come because humans have thought that they are so strong and so powerful that they can conquer nature. Coronavirus shows that humans are not that powerful and you cannot conquer nature. You have to live in harmony with nature. And so that is my wish for 2021. It's going to be a very important year and we should all play our part and take responsibility individually and, and organizationally and industrially and business-wise and politically. Every way we need to address and we need to respond to this challenge of 2021. But then for the future altogether, how can we become regenerative? We have to learn from nature. Nature is our teacher. Nature is our true mentor. If you look at nature, in nature, everything is regenerative. If you plant one seed in the ground, one oak acorn in the ground, that one acorn becomes an oak tree and produces a thousand acorns. Not for one year, not for 10 years, not for 100 years, but maybe 500 years. What a good example of regenerative economy. If you plant one seed of apple, from that one seed of apple, you can create a whole orchard because that one seed will become a tree and that one tree will give thousand apples and each apple will have four or five more seeds. From one seed, you can create a whole orchard. That is a good example of regenerative economy. Our economy, human economy, needs to be like natural economy. Economy of nature and economy of humans have to be in harmony with each other. We need to do everything without this being obsessed with production consumption for its own sake. Production and consumption should be for the need of the people. Production and consumptions are means to an end, not the end itself. Economic growth should not be the end of our life. The meaning of life is not in production, consumption, profit, making money, and a kind of more and more economic growth. Economic growth should be a means to an end, and the end should be well-being of humanity, well-being of people, well-being of nature, well-being a good life, happy life, and increasing dance, music, poetry, art, family, friendship, a good life, good community. These are the values. And production, consumption, economy, money, profit, all these should be to meet these goals. But at the moment, our production and consumption and economic growth has become the end. And nature has become just a resource for making more money. And humans have become an instrument to make more profit. So humans and nature have been turned into means and economic growth has become the end. In the long term, if you want a regenerative culture, then we have to change this idea and this confusion of means and ends. And we have to have the right end for the right means and the right means for the right end. End should be humanity and earth and means should be production and consumption and economic growth, and not economic growth at the end. This is the long-term view that I have. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yes. You are welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Keep in touch, and maybe after coronavirus is over, and maybe a bit more possibility, we'll meet personally.
Yes, we come to Devon quite often. And we so go. please come and come and see us. We are in North Devon, near Biddeford, Barnstable. So come and visit us. Thank you. Yeah, we will okay. do that. Thank you. Well and safe. And yeah, see Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. 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 Thank you for listening to Sustain This with Vivo Barefoot. It was great to talk to Satish Kumar today and hear his wisdom on simplicity and happiness and his hopes for the year to come. I wish Mr. Kumar much health and strength to building further and just world through reconnection to nature and spirituality. If you enjoyed the content that you've heard today, please share it with your friends and families. You can find Sustain This on Spotify and iTunes and tell us your stories on social at Vivo Barefoot or email us at sustainthis at vivobarefoot.com. So that's it for now. Happy Christmas and New Year. See you soon. <music>